named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Mark Wall. I'm joined by Sam Hunter. We are just after Easter, Sam. Hello. How was an Australian Easter for you? What does that look like? I think it looks pretty similar. Good morning, uh, Ma. Hello, listeners. I think Easter here looks pretty similar to everybody else. Uh, I was saying to our guests, uh, just to bring everybody into our podcast, we're recording this after our conversation this morning. I said to him that... um, it was the first Easter that we've had with our family in, in like seven years, um, which has been great. Like Charlotte got to just like hang out with her cousins. We ate a, a really significant amount of chocolate and <laughs> cross buns. Um, then we went and had roast lamb for lunch uh, with like my side of the family. Uh, saw my sister and all my nephews. It was great. It, I mean, I don't think that that's too dissimilar from what you get everywhere you spend a lot of time with your family you eat too much it's like a fun christmas where uh the weather's a bit better no matter where mm-hmm. you are it's not so hot here it's not so cold where you are yeah uh, it's great um and then yeah it was it was it was really nice um really happy to be back here um and to be able to sort of celebrate that with them which has been good and i hope you guys had a, a nice easter as well saw some nice photos yeah thank you yeah we yeah very very similar sort of thing i think you're right we were talking we were actually talking as we were sat down having uh, also roast lamb on uh, on on Sunday. It's a given, right? But so we were sat yeah. down having that, and uh, my wife was saying, "Maybe I prefer Easter to Christmas. You know, there's mm. a lot less pressure. You've got you know a nice window. Um, you know, the Friday off, the Monday off, and um, as you say, we've got to sit outside a little bit as well, um, and you get to do some of those things because of that that you don't get to do um, at Christmas. But I wanted to talk a little bit about how you know having a break is fantastic and in fact funnily enough when we said this we said, i can't really remember what happened last week to talk about so we said we'll talk about the future instead because you know a few days off it's quick quick to get quick to go the memory um but we talked about two short weeks and i got an email from josh vegan last week not personal email i just signed up to his emails and it, it and it started that short gifts are a week <laughs> mess that up short weeks are a gift and I thought that actually that's a really good way to, to look at it. They are a gift in that mm. you get spend more time with the family, but you also need to treat them as a gift work-wise because now we've had two short weeks, we've got another short week coming up and you know, an even shorter week in June. We need to make sure that that actually doesn't affect our activity too much as, as estate agents. So have you got any tips um, or hints for the listeners as to how you are going to be trying to fit probably five days work into four days? Um. I think it's a really good point because so today has been a really interesting exercise. So it's uh, Tuesday night, my time now. So I've had almost like an extra day to get like, I want to say organized, but actually I've spent a bit of time in the sun with Charlotte today. You know, we went for a long walk. It was really lovely. Um, and I, I, it does feel like 
that first day back from holidays, even though it's only been a couple of days off. Yeah, amazing. Um, and I don't, I don't know whether I've ever really experienced that at Easter before. I think probably because it's been so long since Easter's been an event mm. for us. Um, whereas it very much felt like a bit like Christmas holiday, I guess, where you saw everybody and it was constant go, go, go. And then you kind of come back and you think, well, I've just done more in four days than perhaps I would have done in two or three weeks, you know, socially, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's probably a secret in that. Like the only way we were able to like fit so much in over the last four days is because all of our families extended otherwise operated with like, military type precision yeah. we're going to do this at this time on this day and then we're going to be finished you know uh we're going to like we went we managed to sneak a trip to the beach in on saturday with some friends that we hadn't seen in years right and we we're like if we go to the beach we'll get there by 7 30 in the morning and we're going to be home by 11 charlotte will have a nap then we'll be able to go and see other friends who've just had a baby in the afternoon nailed it nice. the secret i think to making the most of the short weeks coming up and to actually enjoy those extra days off is to operate really similarly. Okay. So like have a plan and stick to it. Know where you got to be, know the people you got to speaking to, you know, today's conversation is really important because uh, you know, there's a lot that we cover, but ultimately it comes down to connection and values. Mm. And I think if we're looking at how you then push on over the next three or four weeks where you know, we were saying before we hit record on this, that end of May, start of June, there's a three-day week, right? If I was everybody here, I'd be booking off the other two days and I'd call that a week's holiday mm -hmm. because you're going to be so much more productive before and after than you ever will by just working two days and then go, yes, how good is this? I've got four more days off. This is the best thing ever. But then you come back to being in the position where we are now. So you may as well make the most of that time and, and say, right, I'm going to actually have a proper break that week. So what have I got to achieve between then? How can I be disciplined? How can I have that military precision to go and get there? What are my values? Who do I need to connect with? And how do I go about that? You know, and dedicate that time and energy to making sure that hopefully when you do have that week off for the start of June, which is only what, five, six weeks away now. Yeah, yeah you're going to go away knowing you're going to come back to a really full diary, you know, new instructions, lots of viewings. Everybody's happy. A couple of exchanges just to shake hands and kiss babies and welcome people in their new houses. Can't kiss babies these days, mate. Um, but no, <laughs> I, uh, I, I completely agree. And the, the only thing that I would add to, add to that, and I think, you know, being organized if, for this last week, being organized, on the way out of last week and you know on the way into this week, I think be, you know, having that plan, sticking to it is a really good point. You know, it's it's all well and good having the plan if you actually then abandoned it, abandon it when the phone rings and says, Can I view this house now? Then you know, you you're not gonna hit those targets, you're not gonna have the same level of productivity. And I think these the greatest thing about the short weeks is that it really focuses your mind and makes you prioritize the really important actions. And that would be my advice to anybody you know, who might be coming into work today. And, you know, sometimes people feel overwhelmed if they've got an email inbox full of inquiries or, you know, not, not knowing where to start, you know, just take five or 10 minutes to plan, plan your day, plan your week and actually get um, those priority actions done first. Um, because that'll make a big difference to your productivity, in my opinion. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it about myself. Let's on that note, let's wrap there and let's dive in and introduce today's guest.
Today's guest has a bit of a love-hate relationship with the industry. He's worked for national agencies, regional big hitters selling million pound plus properties and is now the head of sales at an independent letting agent looking to build the sales side of the business. In between all of that, he's actually left the industry for a while and then rejoined on a self-employed model before, before finding his ideal home and absolutely killing it with Perry Power from Power Spoken. He joins us today to discuss his journey, what we can learn from some of the different business models currently operating in our industry. Dan Cox, welcome to the World Class Agency Podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thanks, thanks very much for joining you, Dan. We'll dive, we'll dive straight in with a question that we, we start every podcast with now, and that's what does world-class estate agency look like to you? I know you listen, so I'm hoping for a well-prepared answer. Well, yeah, when, when you sort of asked me to come on and all I've been thinking about for the last week is what would I say? Because I don't want to say the same as everyone else, you know? Um, it's a people business, it's a people industry, and that's probably the most important thing. But when you dive a little bit deeper into what we do. I think consistency. I think um, you had a podcast last week or the week before about consistency and, um, you know, as long as you're consistent and you're going to get there. But I think that's probably the biggest thing in our industry, just because humans, we're always wanting the instant reward. Mm. Um, so consistency becomes tough um, after a little while while you're still sort of, um, slugging away to try and get the business and get your name out there and that sort of stuff. So um, I'm not going to say people because it's been said before. So um, I'd probably say consistency is is uh, is another big big uh, thing in our in our industry. When when you're talking about, so you said it's really important to remain consistent when you're slugging away trying to make a name for yourself. What does what does that slugging away look like? Like what are the really important things to be consistent in in your opinion? I think you can when when you're when you're a new agent or you know you've gone self-employed or you're a small independent you know you need to have those con constant uh, uh, conversations with people um and you know they're not going to lead to to business right away but actually just having constant communication with people um being consistently you know given information to people and that sort of stuff do you know what i mean just really really making sure that every day you're doing a purposeful activity that is gonna eventually one day you know bring 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 back the rewards but um as i say you know we have a conversation and you know you probably finish with or you, you know in the conversation who do you know is looking to move and go oh, no one or they've just moved and you think oh. but it's again staying in that in that uh communication that touch point with with those people and Again, they're going to move. So, um, yeah, it's just being consistent about every activity that you do. Um, whether it be, you know, whether you send home search letters or whether you have conversations on the phone or whether you send emails, whatever it is, just make sure that whatever you're doing is, is consistent and uh, you're doing it on a regular basis. How, how have you sort of adapted that consistency in real estate for your career so far, Dan? How do you have that level of consistency or try to get that level of, of consistency on a regular basis. It's one of my favorite words that we talk about on this show. I think you know it's so underrated. Yeah, it's a it's a big, big part. And um I think when I first joined the agency um industry, you know, I went into sort of a big corporate and they had people coming through the door and people ringing you up and saying, you know, can you come sell my house? Can you come let my house? Can you come? Do you know what I mean? We never had to do too much to get the now obviously when they first started, they would have had to do that. So as a, as a neg going in, we never need to do any of that. And then 
um, again, moved to another agency that again was higher and again, a lot more was coming in. So I didn't really know it or understand it until I left the industry and fell back in and I was a self-employed agent. And then I was like, why is my phone not ringing? Why aren't people asking me to sell the house? And it was then at that point you think, I need to start doing something here. Um, tried to start implementing it when I was self-employed for that first year. It was okay, but it was tough on your own. Um, you know, every morning I'm having to tell myself, come on, let's get up, let's do this and whatever. And you go through your tough stages. Um, and then and then sort of moved on to, as Sam said earlier, you know, power spoken. There was a structure that all agents followed. And you knew that, yes, you'd be doing some sort of lead generation every day, but Friday was your big lead generation day. And you made sure that that was the task that you fulfilled and that sort of stuff. So it was tough. Um, but if I was to do it all over again, I, yeah, you instantly create that structure and just be like, right, on this day, phone's off. Um, you know, every, every distraction's away from me and I'm just going to crack on with this. You pick two or three activities and just get on with doing that rather than doing five or six here and there, you know? What were the activities uh, that delivered the best sort of results for you? Or which were the ones that, were they the ones you didn't want to do the most? Or did you find the ones that you enjoyed doing the most consistently actually got you some results as well? I think it was ones I didn't enjoy the most. Um, so they always say that your friends and families are your biggest enemies and the stranger is your biggest fan. It's 100% true in my, in my opinion anyway, and in my experience. Um, you know, friends and family, you know, they weren't your biggest enemies, but you weren't, the ones that you could rely on to get business from, they almost weren't coming from them. They were coming from strangers that you'd never met or you meet one, you do a great job on their home. They, you know, they love what you've done and they recommend you to other people. Do you know what I mean? They're your biggest advocates, people that you've met previously. So that was probably the hardest, hardest one, but definitely the most rewarding is trying to speak to new people um, and, um yeah, try and treat to new people and get them to understand what you do and, and how you do it. And um, it was that we had activities such as home search letters. But again, you know, when a letter comes from my door, most of the time I'm not reading it. Now I do read them a lot more because I'm actually like, do you know what? This might be a small independent. This might be a self-employed, um, you know, person looking for, for some work or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's. It's, it's tricky. It is tricky. And um, anyone that comes in and thinks it's not, I don't know what they're doing because it is. Um, you, so we sort of said in your intro that you've kind of, uh, not quite yo-yo, but you've gone from high street, self-employed. Now I've gone back to sort of build a sales side um, at a, a very strong sort of lettings independent. What has that journey on both sides of the fence taught you? Like, is, is there green grass on each side or... Yes, I would say there is. So obviously you'll get some people that are better suited for the self-employed model and you'll get some people that thrive in uh, big corporates, um, independent agencies. So the, as I say, when I first went into a state agency, I was in the corporates and um, it was, you know, it was good. Uh, we were doing a good level of business and that sort of stuff. But quickly when managers change, um, so does the office atmosphere, just so does their culture in the office. Um, and it heavily became focused on um, targets. So how many phone calls you're making and how many um, viewings are you doing and how long are you on viewings, that sort of stuff. And that wasn't for me. Um, 
So when I came out of the industry, I fell back into it through redundancy. So I was made redundant. The previous job um, was approached by a uh, franchise and went and sort of joined them. Um, and then moved into Power Bespoke a year after. Um, and I think with the right, you, you always need a team around you. I think if, if you're a self-employed person, you know, self-employed agent, sorry, um, you need you need a team, whether it be your family, whether it be, you know, just even an admin or something, you need someone around you just to be that driving force to make sure that when you have your tough days that they're there to help help get you going and, and, and get you working, you know? So, um, yeah, I'd say both sides of the fence I enjoyed. Um, I think if you said to me, look, you've got one or the other, you know, you'd, I'd really have to think about it because there's pros and cons to both. Can we um, just go in and talk? I want to just get, revisit what, something that you said there, Dan, um, about the high street and um, targets. You know, we've had this conversation before. Do you think that the setting of targets can be at the detriment of building a relationship with the client? And if so, how do you think probably particularly more high street um, branches, how do you think you can try and get that balance right? I 100% think it's a uh, detriment to, to the relationship that you build with buyers, sellers, landlords, whoever it may be. Um, you know, even, um, even tradesmen that come in and, and work for you as a property, you know, everyone, because your, your eyes get focused and your ears get Get focused on the funds and on emails that come in and it's you know a phone rings that if you're on the phone I saw it quite a few times when you're on the phone and the phone rings and you're in a conversation where you think actually I don't need this conversation it's not going to bring me any business at this moment in time but that phone ringing might you almost want they're almost wanting to get the phone down to pick the phone up and I've seen it happen and I, and I just think wow that person on the phone you know they might be buying through you already you know or they might be registering because they want to buy or do you know what I mean? Like you've got, you've got someone there, but because they're probably talking about something that you think this is not relevant to me, it's almost like a put that down, pick that one up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you know, there was other, there was other targets like, you know, the number of phone calls you made, which, you know, there's opinions on this, but I think it's completely irrelevant because surely it's the, the quality of the conversation that you're having on the phones, as opposed to the number of phone calls you're making um there's then there was sort of viewings so if you're if you're targeted people used to go out on viewings and sort of spend 10-15 minutes on a viewing now don't get wrong they are about that long but depending on the size of the house but afterwards if they want to talk to you about the area because they're new to the area if they want to talk to you about the process because they're a first-time buyer and really worried about the process you want to spend that time with them to discuss this and whatever else. But at the same time, if you're targeted, you're thinking, I need to get back to the office because I'm probably missing four, five, six calls or I'm probably missing on a lead that's coming in. But do you know what I mean? It was just, yeah, it was just, in my opinion, very, very target driven. And it works for them, obviously, because, you know, they've made a successful business out of it. Um, you know, there's, there's a number of them uh, in and around the country. Um, but, it's not for everyone and it certainly wasn't for me. Um, and I think that's, that was probably the tipping point for me and, and the, um, the straw that broke the camel's back, if you like. I was, it, it wasn't something that I was interested in doing. So how are, how are you going to look to, as you grow the sales side, how are you going to look to try and introduce 
targets or are you not then? Do you just believe that they are a bad thing and you should train the behaviours rather than, you know, the numbers? I, you, know, you, you need, whether it be soft targets, whether it be targets in general, but you need numbers. You need something that's going to, that's, that's, that's your goal. That's your end goal. That's where you're going. So you need them. I'm not saying they need to be gone completely, but it needs to be, um, you know, as a neg, you don't want to be hammered because you've not made three sales that month or, you know, it's okay. We, you know, I've missed out on, on one, one sale this month. Um, how can I do better next month but make sure I don't lose the relationship building? How can I do, do you know what I mean? It's all, so um, at Tattersaw's where I am now, we, um, we have sort of a figure, we have sort of, um, sort of rough targets that we're looking to get to our figure. Um, and, and that's what we work towards. And um, as I say, you need to know where you're sort of going. So you do need them, but I think it's the, in the manner that we use them, especially with new staff, new nets, that sort of stuff. I think it's very tough. Um, yeah, it's very tough to say, this is what you need. You've got three months probation. We're going to reevaluate at the end of probation. You think, do you know what I mean? It's, if you spend too long um, on a viewing. Yeah. I mean, the idea of limiting a viewing time or target driving your staff on a, on a viewing time is, you know, completely impersonal, probably a lot of what's bad about the industry. Yeah, absolutely. And as I say, you know, depending on the house and it's, it's depending on the client, you know, yeah. I had, I've had people that want to look around the house like three times. Mm. Um, and that's because they're unsure. They're nervous. It's new to them. Do you know what I mean? And they're wandering around almost trying to buy time to ask me any more questions and whatever. I just couldn't think, I think we was in that house for about 30 minutes and I just couldn't think of half in that time for them. And just then walking out and going, yeah, you're going to make an offer. Do you know what I mean? It just didn't make any <laughs> sense. So, um, yeah, I think you, you need to give everyone the time they need. And if they want to chat afterwards and you haven't got a viewing afterwards um, that you're going to, you know, you could be late for, then why not spend that time having that conversation with them and reassuring them? Because I can guarantee it that if they didn't buy the house you showed them around guess who they're going to come and look for when they need some help or advice or when they buy their house and look to sell who are they going to come and use do you know what I mean so it's um and again going back to the instant reward you know if if you're an agent and you're doing a viewing and you think oh they're asking too many questions they're not going to bother this you you'll you you know it's almost programmed to go back to the office and find someone that will buy it rather than build that relationship so I think that was the tricky part with with High Street for me in particular. I think what I found fascinating, and I, I'm been trying to uh, think back to my first few weeks um, as an agent over here, and actually your stories there about viewing times and and targeted valuation times sort of brought back some some horror memories uh, for me personally, at least because I find it fascinating. Right, you say the same thing. They're walking around a house. They're asking lots of questions. If your thought is not, I need to help these people because this doesn't suit them rather than they're wasting my time, they're not going to buy it, then you're probably in the wrong industry and it's, it's a little bit dangerous for everybody um, because you're not going to make any money because you don't make any money unless you're selling houses and if that's your attitude, you're not going to sell very many houses at all and you're probably yeah. not going to have that job for a long time because you'll never hit so-called targets like we we've, we've tried to reframe targets as goals within our own business as well yeah. i think it's really important you're exactly right dan you've got to have direction you've got to know where you've got to be but at the same time it, everything that we're talking about now in terms of being really consistent 
you know, having the right team around you, understanding what disciplined activities you got to do day in, day out. That's all skill-based. And unfortunately, what new agents, I nearly said kids then, but there's a few people that come into the industry that aren't kids, right? That what new agents get taught in the very loosest sense of the word taught, teach, right? Is yeah. it's about volume. It's about numbers. You just got to pick the telephone up, right? They're not taught how to problem solve. So that person who's spending half an hour in a house and asking lots of questions, that house is not solving their problems. And you as the agent, unless you're asking questions about why don't you like it? You said the road's really busy. This is a quiet little village. There's only 15 people that live here. What does quiet actually look like to you? Rather than just accepting what it is and moving on and hoping you find somebody else who's that perfect circle fitting in the perfect circle. Right. That's that's the beautiful thing about our industry, right? Or our chosen vocation or profession, whatever you want to call it. You deal with loads of different people all day, every day. Mm. They've got loads of different problems, but they're all got the same goal. Right. So everyone's got the same goal. I want to buy a house. I want to move house for my family, whatever it is. It's like why people change jobs. Right. They've got the goal in mind, whatever it might be. Your job is to problem solve to make sure that the triangle ends up in the triangle. Sorry, I've literally been playing games with my daughter all day about trying to get her to put my face there. So these analogies are fresh in my mind. Um, and it, it sounds like that was your main frustration, right? Was that no one gets taught how to put the square peg in a square hole. Everyone's just taught, ask if they want to buy it. If they say no, pick, hang that up as fast as you can and pick the next telephone up and try and book somebody into it to a viewing tour where they hate four of them, but they like one of them, you know, and almost tricking them into buying something. Yeah, and... Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. And I think if you try and do that anyway, you know, it's only going to fall flat on its face and you're just not going to look like a good agent to, to the buyer, the seller, you know, or anyone else that, that might be involved. So it is, it is tough. And, you know, when I look back at sort of the training, you know, my first ever agency, it wasn't training. Do you know what I mean? I was sat in front mm -hmm. of a computer with a database of numbers, a phone and went here. I think actually the very first agency, I didn't last very long there at all because it wasn't for me, but they had the old applicant cards. And I was flicking through that and um, getting that numbers old. and yeah, honestly, and maybe not, maybe it was just the, maybe it was just the company uh, they hadn't developed, uh, they haven't moved into technology or something. I don't know, but um, it was, and you know, it was just, I think one of the managers there, she said something to me that really stuck and she just said, just go there, do the viewing, get an offer, bring an offer back. Even if it's under asking, we'll get the vendor to come down. And I just sort of went, I feel like we're on the wrong page here because you know that's not who we're working for and whatever else. So there was a, there was quite a few things in the, in the very first instance. I came out of the industry, never never knew that you could. I did not like no no you couldn't be a self employed. I really, I thought that you needed a lot behind you in terms of becoming a self employed agent to to run your own agency and whatever. Um, and you you do you know I, I fell into it. I, you know being very redundant with very little sort of savings and whatever and and so it was just I had no other option in the height of the pandemic so um it's I think if you've got the values there um and you're okay with making new connections and you're speaking with new people and you don't expect the instant reward then you know you'll you'll go far but for me it's the, the values that really really you know when when I looked back into high street and said to my partner that I I don't want to be working 12, 13 hours a day for someone else in, in an office. But I said, B, they've got to share the same values. And I never thought I was going to find it 
Um, not that I never thought I was going to find it, but I thought it would be difficult to find it in, in High Street. And I was proven right. Um, you know, <laughs> there were some people we'd come across that had similar values. Um, but yeah, there was a lot that oh, we're the best here and, you know, we've won this award and we've done this. I'm like, I don't care. I really, really don't care in the nicest way. It's what do you do for your clients? What, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you do for your staff as well? Um, but um, yeah, it's, it was very interesting going from employed, self-employed and now back to employed. What would you give, what, what piece of advice would you give anybody who's listening to this, who's working as uh, an employed agent and perhaps doesn't share or they're, where they're working, they don't share the same values as they do? Like, would you say jump in with two feet into self-employed or would you say actually go and hunt for a, you're probably going to get a load of like LinkedIn messages now. I apologize for that. <laughs> I haven't got LinkedIn now, um, <laughs> but uh, I know I, I think if I was employed and I'm sitting here and I'm going, I don't think my employment share the same values. I would, um, I would go and speak to speak to the directors and just say, look, have we thought about doing this or, or whatever? Um, if you're thinking about going to a self-employed, maybe it's something worth thinking about, but you'd probably need to. I wouldn't suggest I wouldn't suggest jumping two feet in. Mm. I've done it in the height of the pandemic, and I'd never recommend that anyone to anyone to do that. Talked um, a little bit there about your partner and and the move that you've you've recently made, Dan. So I just want to talk about that for for a little bit because I know I've seen some of the numbers. Um, we met at boot camp, and I know how well that was all going for you with Perry. Um, you made that for you know what I imagine was quite a hard decision um to make but you made it for family family reasons how hard was that decision and how did you realize that actually maybe there is more important things than work um i think telling perry and making that decision was probably the hardest decision i've made um because i was in i fell in self-employed and then came across Perry and watched him for a long time on sort of Facebook, YouTube and whatever. Um, and then we had a chat and as soon as I had the chat, I, you know, I remember running downstairs to, to my partner and going, yes, this is the one, this is where we're going. Um, and, it, you know, he hadn't had an opener at the time. It was just a general conversation. But, um, and then when he sort of said, look, you know, come over, but I owe a lot to Perry just because he made, he brought back the love for the industry for me you know it's let's help people move on to the next chapter of their lives um and the training that he offers you know the power agent course all of that sort of stuff it was hang on a minute this guy this guy wants people to wants people wants to help people move whether it's him or whether it's another agent he wants i find in our industry everyone holds their cards close to their chest even if you're doing even if you call an agent up for a sales progression you know the chain progression and that sort of chain check so, that cars are going to test and you just think we're here on the same, you know, we're doing the same thing here. We've both got the same end goal. So to see that was really refreshing. Um, and he, he brought, he made me love the industry again um, and love what I, I, I do. And when my partner was, my partner's ill, she, and she was told by the doctor, you need to change your lifestyle. You know, she, she's got this really rare condition and we're back and forth from the hospital so many times and whatever. And she got told this one time from a doctor, um, you need to change your lifestyle. You need a big operation, but if you're not going to have the operation, you need to change lifestyle. And it was, you know, we sat there and 
I just felt like all the hard work that I, all the work I'd done, I wouldn't say it was the hardest work, but you know, the work I'd done over the last year, Powerful Spoken myself, it was about to blow up this year and it was going to be really well and whatever. Um, and to just have to say to Perry, I've got to do this. Like I, I, I've got no other option. I've got to do this for, for her. Um, it's not fair on her to live her life the way she's living and whatever, where we are. So we're going to go and, and go back to where she was, you know, raised and got friends and, you know, her lifestyle was better. Sorry, her lifestyle was better. Um, and it was tough and it was really, really tough. Um, probably the hardest sort of thing I've ever had to tell anyone. Um, and even now, like, I see him text and I just, I miss him. Do you know what I mean? I mean we, used to, we used to geek out at like half 10 at night on, on, on uh, Zoom like this, just talking about things and all that sort of stuff. So it, it was tough. It was really tough. Um, where I am now, it's, you know, it's good. I enjoy it. I enjoy the people I work with. Um, but as I say, I genuinely feel like the love has been brought back into it. So actually I can now get on with being in this industry. Mm. Um, and there's a lot that I've learned we're looking to do and bring it implement it into into the independent um sophie who i you know work for now is is brilliant and she shares the same values um and she's happy that we you know we do whatever's best for best for our clients and and to to get us out there so um yeah it was tough is a short answer can, can i just ask them uh, just just finally before we before we wrap dan you, you mentioned there about sophie sharing those same values you mentioned it a couple of times how you saw some agents who didn't how did you find out about the values of sophie that you you know eventually went to work because i know that you have numerous offers but how did you mm. go about trying to find out agents values at an interview stage were, were you trying to interview them a little bit like how does how did, how did that play out and how did you make the right decision yeah, I think, you know, going back to the two jobs I had in agency or the two jobs I stayed at an agency beforehand, it was very important to me that it was the right one that I was going to. You know, I don't want to go into somewhere and then, you know, six months down life think this isn't for me and, and re-interview and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it was very important that I got what I wanted and they got what they wanted. Um, and... I've, I've had my fair share of sort of job interviews and jobs that haven't worked out. So it was almost like, I'm going to be straight talking and I'm going to tell you what I'm looking for. You're going to tell me what you're looking for. And if we match, then fine. But if we don't, then we don't. Um, I, you know, when I was interviewing at 18, 19 years, you know, 20 years old, it was all very much like, you tell me what you want from me and I'll do it. And, you know, I'll sit here unhappy. And I, and I just look at him we're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing us, right? So mm. we're, we're, we're saying, oh, is this a place for us to come and work? Is this, am I going to succeed here? Am I going to get the progression I want? You know, so we're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing us. And um, I think often you can tell when people are being genuine. Um, we had a second follow-up um, just to confirm that it was all sort of genuine. And then it was just a lot of sort of social media reviews, you know, don't get me wrong, they're not, they're not everything and you're not going to see everything on social media that, you, you know, that you're looking for or wanting. You're not going to see every review because it might be just a really good friend of theirs they've sold or whatever. But when it's consistent across the board, you sort of think, okay, you know, maybe this is genuine, maybe this, this is their value. And, um, and fortunately, you know, I don't feel like I've been um, misled or anything at all, you know, from, 
from the short time I've been there, right, that we, we do share the same values. Um, and, you know, pleased that I made the right decisions. Whereas you get others that say, oh, we're, you know, we're, we've got the market share in this town and we've won this award. And mm. I, I might earn a little bit more money by doing that. But at the same time, you know, what's the work life balance going to be like? What's your values on appointments and viewings and stuff, you know? So, um, yeah, it's tricky. Can I can I follow up on that and just ask like what are what are your core values or what what was it that you guys share because I think it we've talked a lot about this and it's clear that that's what drives you which is I think really admirable um, and if anyone's looking at this I mean that is the way to ensure success in your life there'll be people listening mm. to this that think that's a bit airy fair and a bit you know or la di da universe or whatever but if if you live your values the rest takes care of itself because ultimately you're content all day, every day. Right. So I'm, yeah. I'm really interested. We've talked about it a lot and it's, it's nice how this conversation has evolved into something like that, that, you know, we all feel strongly about and certainly the people we talk to on this show feel strongly about, but I'm interested, like, what was it? What were the ones that aligned? I, I'm not, I, yeah. Honesty, honesty is, is probably one of the biggest ones, you know, the truth's always going to come out. So why lie about it? Um, so we're, we're very honest with our clients. We're very transparent with our clients. We give them the, we give them, I, I give them advice, whether it's going to benefit me financially or not, um, which is, you know, so being honest is, is a massive, massive um, value in my, in my, in my life. Um, being personable when you're, when you're having conversations with people, trying to avoid the corporate jargon, most people don't understand so it's just about being that person that people want to come and see because they know they're going to get an honest answer um you're not going to try and convince them on something they don't want you're not going to tell them um you know you're not going to mislead them somewhere where they don't want to go um and yeah and i just think having mutual respect between both parties rather than just looking at them as a as a big you know, big paycheck that you're going to get from them, and and um, yeah, being being dishonest. I think that's probably the biggest one is being honest in this in this industry is is vital. It should, you know, I I completely agree, Dan. Then, um, but it should be a given, shouldn't it? You know, that should just that shouldn't that shouldn't be enough to stand you out from the crowd, right? It shouldn't. It it really really shouldn't. Um, and. I don't think it does overly. I think, I think the, you know the the the, um, the public that are looking for an agent, the hub sellers that are looking for an agent. Again, they just think it's a given. Everyone's going to be nice with us. Everyone's going to give us the time we want and and whatever. And unfortunately, you know, when they find out that that's not true, if it's not true in that case, um, you know, not all agents are, and most agents are honest. I I um, don't come across many in the, as a, as an agent yourself, but. Um, anyone that finds out that someone's being dishonest or not got their best interest at heart, they're probably too far down the line, you know? Agreed. And I think the three of us can at least look back and the people who listen to this show, uh, I think if we were to write down all of our core values, whether you had one or 10, right? Honesty is going to be on there um, because you're exactly right, Dan, that the truth always comes out. So why lie about it? Um, from everybody's listening, mate, and from Mark and I, I want to say a big thank you. Um, it's been a really enlightening conversation and I appreciate you being so honest, uh, pun totally intended, 
uh, about the, the highs and the lows and the fact that uh, sometimes it takes falling out of love with something to then go back and fix it, you know, and, and try and understand why you fell out of love with it and refocus where you need to be. And actually, you know, again, the secret to success is you follow your values. You know, that's your North Star. Everything else then falls into place around it and you end up putting more triangles into more triangle holes. So, mate, thank you. It's been a really, really, really great chat. I really appreciate your time. No, thank you both for, uh, for having me on. A massive thank you to Dan Cooks from Tassels for joining us today. Um, for me, Sam, I, you know, a really interesting guy who's been on a journey that's gone gone many ways. But actually, we we arrived at where he really wants to be. In that, we're talking about his values. We're talking about honesty, integrity, all of that. And I think you can say whatever business model you're looking at, whatever you know, whether it's self-employed, high street, small, independent, big, multinational, you have to be aligned to whoever you're working with is, is kind of one of the big things that I took out of that. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't where we probably thought that conversation was going to go at the start, but it no. makes a hell of a lot of sense. Um, and you can just see, like, uh, we made a joke before we hit record because Dan got a haircut uh, just this podcast um, and being sort of friend of the show, he knew that we didn't re release the video, but maybe we will this time around because <laughs> it, look, it looks sharp. But one of the things you could tell was he, he looked really relaxed and really sort of calm and um, very confident in not just his experience, but the skill and ability that he's probably got now and that he's employing every day to not just tick off his own goals, but the goals that now fortunately for him align with tattersalls as well and it just shows you how important that is like it's really difficult to wake up every day and go and work for a business or a person that you don't you don't always have to see eye to eye i think conflict's really important for a solid business because you've yeah. got to be able to challenge each other if all you're doing is echoing the same message and then you happen to be going on the wrong path mm. it makes it really really difficult to readjust but if you've got the same values then you can have an argument for the right reasons. Yeah. You know, conflict shouldn't be um, avoided just for the sake of avoiding it. And it sounds like he's found a place where he can be himself, he can be professional, um, and he can have the sort of work-life balance that, you know, him and his partner want to have. And that's, I don't reckon there's many agents who are employed that can really say that. Mm. You know, when I say not many, there's not going to be only five or six or a handful of them. But, the large majority of them have got jobs they go to every day where, I mean, we, we talk to them all the time. We've got people working in our business that have come from agencies that have just not given them anything, mm. you know, and have treated them like crap. Um, and that's not good enough anymore. That's why there's this great resignation that everyone talks about going on right now is because people have woken up to the fact that if a business doesn't care about you, you go somewhere that does. Yeah. 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 Um, and as somebody who like, it's actually a really, tough job to help people understand that you do care about them because they're so gun shy about what's happened in the past. So yeah, I, I definitely took out from that, that your personal values or your professional values as well, hopefully those two things match up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then also they've got to match with where you're working. Um, and then if, if that happens, then you're setting yourself up for massive success. And I think actually, you know, the whole conversation started around world-class agency was consistency to Dan um, and to making sure that he was disciplined in what he needed to do, that it was all about 
new connections and then once you've made that connection it's fostering a relationship with somebody it's not just pick the phone up put the phone down pick the phone up put the phone down and that comes back to his values right yeah and it comes back to he knew who he was and he wasn't getting who he was wasn't flourishing where he was in in a few different places and now you know with perry and now with pedestals he's found two places where he has been able to flourish and the results take care of themselves so they, for me that's the massive lesson out of, out of today's conversation right go where you're made to feel comfortable and confident go where you're supported you know cheesy person might say go where you're loved mm. i think that's a really important word to use in business and it isn't often enough um and the results will follow yeah and i think well, you said there that the results will follow. One thing that I just want to want to touch on consistency. We talk about it an awful lot. I think it's very quickly becoming my my favourite word. But um, he mentioned it a couple of times. Is and don't expect instant reward. And I think mm. that applies to self-employed, applies to the high street, whichever model, whichever business that that you work for in this industry. If you expect instant reward, you're going to take actions that aren't ironically aren't going to lead to the rewards that you're, you're looking for. So I think, you know, he, he talked about that really well and the consistency will, will, will lead to that. Um, but the great, the great thing I think for the, for, for that, it, um, from the interview is if you are in a place where you're not feeling valued, there are other options out there, of course. Um, and actually every agent should be able to give the advice that Dan talked about. And that was, mm-hmm. you know, giving your clients and your customers honest advice, even if it doesn't benefit me financially, and I think that's a really privileged position um, to be in. But if you want to go to bed at night and you know wake up happy, you should be in a position where you are able to give that completely honest advice. As you, and I always say, advice that I would want to receive myself. And it's great that yep. you know we've got people in our industry that are actually out there giving that advice. In my opinion, yeah. And I think it, it sounds we said at the end of that conversation, right, that it should be a given that everyone's honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think more and more, and, and I don't want this to be ever a show uh, or or ever have any sort of accusation of it being an agent bashing episode or show or anything like that, because I do think that more and more because of the opportunity that the public has out there to go and seek out the truth if they mm-hmm. want to, that agents are choosing that sort of right path of yeah. saying, putting their hands up and saying, I don't know, or putting their hands up and saying, yeah, there's a drain in the backyard or whatever they have to say. Mm-hmm. So we're not saying all agents and we're not saying all the time. Um, but it is certainly something that I reckon it, if uh, average seller in almost every area of the UK was to get three agents out for evaluation, one of them would tell them what they needed to hear. The other two would probably tell them the truth, Yeah, you know? Um, and until we can get that three for three, and in some instances it might be two will tell them what they want to hear and one of them will tell them the truth, mm-hmm. right? But until we can get that where people are competing for the right reasons and are showing a true difference rather than just blagging it, then, you know, we're going to keep doing this podcast and people keep listening. And there's, there's probably a lot of work that can be done in and around that as well. Um, just, just to sort of raise one last point before we go, because I know we're both a little short on time is I, I thought the point that when, when Dan was talking about the lessons that he'd learned leaving the high street, going to self-employed, working with a couple of companies there, then coming back is one of the other things other than being consistent with your values and consistent with your activity every day. One of the things that was, and then again, sorry about the pun, but consistent across wherever he was, was that you need, you always need to have a team around you. Mm. 
Mm. You know, so it's really difficult to maintain that focus and maintain that discipline on the days where things don't happen instantly. If you don't have someone to come home to who put their arm around you and just be like, don't worry, go again tomorrow. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, poignant point for me. Yeah. No, I think and probably often understated, particularly when people are maybe looking at, you know, different types of models and, and what have you, actually the importance of having a team, being able to have a conversation um, about it and have, have somebody, you know, I've heard it a number of times, have somebody, you know, who will be able to pump up your tires when they need pumping mm. up, but also bring you back down to earth. Maybe when you need bring you back down to earth, because there's two sides to it always, you know, you have bad days, you can have really good days. You don't get too carried away with the good days. You don't get too upset with the, with the bad days. So I think that was a really good point. And if there is anyone out there that is, you know, struggling with this, it's a good idea to get those people around you so that you, you do have that support network, I think. Exactly. Um, a massive thank you once again to Dan for joining us today. As you know, we do this because we love our industry. As Sam said, we want to see it improve and get better. So we get those three out of three um, at some stage in, in the future. If you do like what you've heard today, please share it out on social media. Reach out to Dan or myself and Sam and let us know your thoughts. I'm Mark Oral. He's Sam Hunter. Thank you very much. And we'll see you again next week.